Good evening, everybody. Let's say good evening to our neighbors. Say good evening to your neighbor this evening with a smile and ask them how was work today. How was traffic today? Getting better? No. <laughs> it will get better. By God's grace. Okay. Um, today, we are in part six of our soon-to-be-concluded series. I'm sure sometime next year, the series will come finish. <laughs> um, biblical Bad Babes. And we are looking at the woman, thank you, by the well. The woman at the well. And we started by looking at Rahab, and we looked at Mrs. Lot and her daughters. Then we looked at Jezebel, and we looked at Sapphira. And last week, we looked at, we looked at Delilah, the devilish, delicious Delilah, <laughs> the wrecker of great men. And today, we are looking at the woman at the well. And in each of these teachings, we would have it, a topic statement that like encapsulates the, the, the whole teaching in a single thought and, and to make to help us not to forget the bottom line of, of each of these characters. And when we looked at Rahab, we saw that with God, it is not who you were that matters. It is who you are becoming and it is not where you have been that matters with God is where you are going. Where you are going is more important than where you have been. When we looked at Mrs. Lot, we learned that with God, your focus is more important than your current direction. Where your eyes are looking is more important than where your feet are currently going, where your legs are going. Because your legs will eventually go to where your eyes are looking. When we looked at Jezebel, we learned that the state of your heart determines the actions that you take. Your decisions shows us what is in your heart, good or evil. So some people say, well, I have a good heart, but all your actions are evil. How can you have a good heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks and the life flows from the heart. When we looked at Sapphira, we discovered that no matter how deceitful a heart is, it cannot deceive the Holy Spirit. And every time you go against God, you lose. No matter how deceitful a heart is, it, you, it cannot deceive the Holy Spirit. And any time you go against God, 
What's, what will be the outcome? The person always loses. I mean, every single time. So, it's wise not to go against God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Last week at uh, Delilah, right? Yeah. We saw, going from the story of Samson and Delilah, that you are only as vulnerable as the secrets you share. You are only as vulnerable as the secrets you share. You can, no one can destroy you without first uncovering your secret and using it against you. So bottom line, learn to keep your mouth shut. Only talk when it's necessary. And today, the woman at the well Usually we put out the bottom line out before we even get into the teaching. And the bottom line is this. Is that our deepest longings and thirst can only be satisfied by the living waters that only Christ can give. So you can fill in the note. Our deepest longings. So the first space, if you have the outline, we have deepest Long gains and thirst can only be satisfied by the living waters that only Christ can give. That only Christ can give. Okay, so as you know, we break our study into three. Um, we have opening questions that kind of warms, up or warms us up and, you know, gets us thinking. Then we have the study section. Then we have the commit section. Um, as an opener, we take two questions. They're in your outline. And we, the first one is, why do you think some people do not want to get married these days? Increasingly, people are like, why get married? Why allow one man to be bossing you around? You know? Or why allow one woman to tie you down when you can be a free agent? Animation means he that has and is not stingy. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, he that giveth freely. Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, why don't, they don't, I mean, people don't mind living together these days and, and having children. Why do you think that people don't want to get married again? Of course, I mean, I'm talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. Interestingly, some part of the world has crept into the church. But who wants to go? Why do you think people um, aren't... Um, Getting married as they should. Of course, people are getting married, but as they should. Why do we have some people, they're in the minority, don't mind them, thinking that, um, why bother? Why allow one man push you around? You make his bed, you make his breakfast, you make his babies, and he just treats you as like crap at the end of the day. Why, why, why subject yourself to that? 
And why allow one woman to put handcuffs in your hands and keep you down when you can be a free moral agent? <laughs> Who wants to go? <laughs> okay, this is a question I'm going to ask you if you're not going to volunteer. Uh, okay, there's a hand at the back there. Thank you. Because most times when most people are married, begin to wonder, what happens to the charming guy that you got married to? Because, hmm. you know, becomes very offensive or he changes and it now becomes to Leah, like he said on Sunday. That's, <laughs> that's um, what, it's very scary because people that want to get married, you find out that you might like a very good person and then you wake up in the morning, it's a total different person. Leah. So it's enough to get someone scared. But you have never been married, so how do you know it to become there? Pastor, most people that are married, they say the same thing. Oh, they uh, say the same thing. Okay, fine. Cool. <clears throat> but there's a good side of marriage, which you also need to taste. Um, okay, there's a hand there. Evening. Good evening. Okay, um, basically, why do, you th- why do you think some people do not want to get married these days? Um, a lot of people have horrifying stories. That they say to um, the unmarried. A lot of married people have some horrifying stories. They say to the somewhat horrifying, unrefined, <coughs> horrifying, horrible, horrible. Big grandma <laughs> stories that they say okay. to the unmarried. And you know, when a lot of people hear those stories, they are like, "Okay, re- should I really be getting into these mm, things?" Right. So basically. Um, that kind of puts people off. Right. They don't say the other part. Right. That um, is the good, good part. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's like the good part of marriage doesn't get enough press as much as the bad part of marriage. And that, that, that is fantastic. I think we should clap for that. You know, and that's, that, is, that just sums it up. There's, there's, more, there's far more good to being married than the, the challenges of, 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 of marriage. And... Um, and we praise God for that. <clears throat> Next question. What are you thirsty for spiritually? What are you thirsty for spiritually? Who wants to put their thirst out there in the open? What are you thirsty for spiritually? One or two people and, and, and we get into the study. What are you thirsty for spiritually? Who wants to tell us? What are you thirsty for spiritually? Are you thirsty spiritually? I hope you are. Okay. There's a, okay, there's a hand there. The Lord. I'm thirsty for the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're thirsty for? The presence of the Holy Spirit. Constantly, like consistent presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's what I'm thirsty for. Okay. Awesome. She's thirsty for the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. Um, anybody else? What are you thirsty for spiritually? I want to take it that you really don't want to share it. It's not because you're not thirsty for anything. <laughs> because, okay, as a, as a hand in front. Because... That's how the spiritual works. If you don't thirst for it, you cannot receive it. In fact, the currency you which you in, by which you use in purchasing things in the spirit realm is, is hunger and thirst. If you are not hungry, you can't get it. 
Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. For many years now, I have had this hunger in my spirit to want to find God. And a watchword from the Bible that said, Seek me early in the morning oh. while it is still dark oh. so you can find me. In fact, when I came across that word, I make sure every morning, Monday to Thursday, my whole family by 5 a.m., we're having morning devotion. Amen. Even when we are outside the country, I remember an incident that we were in London and we were being accommodated by my brother-in-law. We were actually in his house. So the wife had to accustom me and said, "Uh uh-uh. You people are on vacation. I pity these children. Every 5 a.m. you wake them up. I pity them. And I'm like, this is what I want. I am thirsty. I am hungry. And that word had been propelling me. That because I want to find God. And in fact, I'll find him. I'll find him in several ways. He says he is God that delivers completely. I've seen him in that form. I have seen God as the mighty man in battle. I've seen him in that form. I've seen him as Jehovah Jireh, he who provides. I've seen him in that form. So the more I keep on looking for him, the more he shows me different aspects of his life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I know one more thing you are thirsty for. I won't tell everybody right now. That's how the spiritual works. That's how the spiritual works. There was a time that, you know, it was my all-consuming thirst. It, is, it still is. You know, when people say to me, they can't hear God. You are not thirsty for his voice. If you are thirsty for his voice, you will hear God. I was hungry to hear God. As in, that was my necessary food. I was thirsty for the power of the Holy Spirit. I wake up. I wake up. I will sleep I would hit the floor. Thirsty, crying, praying. Thirsty. You can't get what you don't hunger for with God. In fact, have you seen a child, a full child that is not hungry? Have you, have you seen how they treat food? When a child is full and you give them delicacies, what do they do with it? They just toy with it. But when you take that food to you know where and you give an hungry child, what happens to the food? Demolished. Same thing with the power of God. Same thing with the spiritual things. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness and we will be filled. Our text today is taken from the book of John, chapter 4, verse 1 to 42. John 4, 1-42. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. Near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, 
sat wearily. I was a wearily. <laughs> Beside the well about noontime. Soon the Samaritan woman came to draw water and she and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone. I was alone. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God asked for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. But, sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket. And you're boasting like this. She said, I added that one. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. <laughs> and you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only... See how she changed the topic. Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshippers, everybody say true worshippers. When true worshippers, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I mean, hallelujah. That's just how fantastic. Imagine, you are talking to Jesus and he's explaining this to you. And you are like, you are still waiting for Jesus. I just says, I am here. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. You know why? What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, to show you she changed the topic, why did she say, come and see a man who explained the temple to, to me? Praise the name of the Lord. Could he possibly be the Messiah? After he has told you I'm the Messiah. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were here? Was it that woman? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the God who sent me and from finishing his work. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that your nourishment will come from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. 20% of you said amen. I pray it is. So, You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought into eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now 
we believe, not just because of what you told us, the Savior of the world. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Totally loaded. The word of God is beautiful. Praise the Lord. And today, we are going to be looking at this woman by the well. She's had not one, not two, not three, not four, but five husbands. She, she, she doesn't look like she was 70 yet. She doesn't even, I doubt if she was 40 yet. And she's had one, two, three, four, five husbands. In fact, she's with a man right now. She was at the, at the time that was not her husband. This time around, she's saying, you know what? Let's just cohabit. Let's just sample ourselves. This husband and wife thing is like, this thing is not working. So we dive into the, quest, into the study right away. When introducing our bad babe for today, the Bible tells us of agenda and nationality, but not a name. Why might that be? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I believe um, first she encountered Jesus himself one on one. So Jesus knows her name. He knows everything about that woman from beginning to end. And it was not important or it wasn't necessary for him. Rather, the message he wanted to pass, the, um, the message, that's the assignment he had, that was, was necessary. That's why I feel... You know. Okay, so what you're saying is, as long as Jesus knows your name, it doesn't matter who else knows your name. That's what you're saying in essence. That's fine. Okay, thank you. That's, that's, that's true. I mean, Jesus... If everybody knows your name and Jesus doesn't know your name. But if Jesus knows your name and nobody else knows your name, you are fine. Thank you. Who else? Why do you think? Yes. Um, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, like the Yorubas would say, I think, Jesus Christi Fefioruko Bola Shirini. Please interpret. <laughs> Jesus Christ just wanted to ensure that it wasn't about who he was. Who she was. Uh, who, she, who she was. Um, it was just about where she came from because of how people judged where she came from. Right. And because people judged um, the female sex. Right. Not about who she was. So, what she said first was that Jesus Christ used her name um, to cover a secret. Not to let everybody know who this woman has had five husbands was. Well, Jesus will do that. That's a good way to look at it. Anybody else? Okay, so we take one more. Right at the back. Yeah, thank you. The Bible described Samaritan woman as a woman that has five husbands. Right. So I think she might have gone by so many names. <laughs> 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 
five different names okay. with each husband. Fantastic. And, um, I never thought of that. Describing her. <laughs> First and foremost, she must be Mrs. Lagbaja, then she's uh, Mrs. Temedu, then she's Mrs. Uh, uh, Animashao, then she's Mrs. Um, Abu, then she's Mrs. Johnson. Wow. Okay. Then by the time she says, I don't want to be anything, just leave me alone. Okay. Okay. Um, Another reason why her name was omitted could be because this could be any of us, easily. This could easily be any of us, before Christ. So, I mean, you could just put your, your name there, you know. Uh, Maybe not like that. I'm sure some of you are like, I'm pastor, my own is not that bad. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. We think that a particular sin is big, you know, and I mean, my own is just three men, three years bad now. Okay, just two women and one concubine, not five. It's, it's the same. You, you, you may say, okay, my own is just communicating with one person. It's the same. So it, it could be any of us easily. So thank you for all this, this answers. Fantastic. Number two, in 1 John 4, 6, tells us that the woman, the Samaritan woman, went to the well in the heat of the day rather than in the cool of the evening. Now, what happens in those days? Because it's, it's, they are in the desert. At noon, the time she, was, she met with Jesus, women don't come out at that time because it's so hot and they are partly covered. So the heat is unbearable. They, don't even, they, they come out to fetch water in the cool of the evening. So when, when you see a woman coming out to fetch water in the heat of the day, she shows that she's coming out where nobody will be there. She wasn't expecting to meet anybody there. She just wanted to quickly fetch her water and, and go. So the question is, who or what do you think she was avoiding and why? Who wants to help us? Who or what do you think she was avoiding and why? Okay, stand in front. Come to the front. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, with five husbands, um, she definitely had acquired some reputation. Right. Um, well, they probably look at her like a husband snatcher, oh. a prostitute even. Oh. And um, so, of course, she would want to avoid um, the women. Who would look at her and say, and you know, of course, people would be talking about her all the time. So she wanted to also, you know, avoid the embarrassment of her own female gender, as well as some men too, who will think that even coming close to one who has had five husbands <laughs> will, pollute, will pollute them. So she had many reasons why she wouldn't want to go, not just the heat from the day, like I said, but also avoiding people that right. she knew would not approve her for her. Of her. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
husband snatcher. Because they didn't tell us that those husbands, it was their first marriages. So probably she will have. Um, okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. What I'm thinking is that in as much as her reputation is bad, right. she has done a lot of damages. Right. She was now parading herself as a criminal, trying to cover up. She went at the heat of the day because she was not trying to cause a scandal. Right. She didn't want people to come and see her and begin to alert other people, look at this criminal uh, is here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the way God works, uh, what she was trying to run away from, uh, trying to cover herself from, uh -huh. was the same thing that Jesus now used that to do. Absolutely. You know, as she was trying to cover the scandal, Jesus even used that to do a better scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Come and see the man that told me everything I have done. Who doesn't know everything she has done? Does she need to say more? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> okay, someone should please read Isaiah 54, 46. It will come up on the screen and... Um, We'll read it first, then we'll take um, the question. It says, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Say amen. amen. Don't be afraid. Amen. There is no more disgrace for you. Amen. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth amen. and the sorrow of your widowhood. Amen. For your creator will be your husband. Amen. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer the only one of Israel, the God of all the earth. Amen. This woman had a thirst she had tried to quench with a quest for a husband. And before she knew it, she has had five husbands and seemed to have resigned to fornication. On Sunday... We learned that in the morning, it will always be Leah. Can you relate the teaching to our situation? Nobody mentioned it in a way, kind of. But can, can you relate the teaching to, the, to our situation? Who wants to go? Quickly, it's a no-brainer. It's obvious. Staring in the face. Okay. There's a hand in front here. Keep your hands up, please. If you put up your hand, please keep it up so that they can locate you. And um, Thank you. Okay, um, I think um, how I can relate her case is always be less. In her relationship with men, it's always um, good at the beginning. She, she finds this one. Okay, go on. And then she, she wants to get into the marriage because there's love, there's fun. And then maybe after the marriage, then she begins to see the other side of the man. And of course, she runs off. She has to <laughs> so, okay, get fantastic. So, so uh, bottom line, she, um, give her the mic. But give her the mic. She, she says that, oh, for her to marry, <clears throat> for a woman to marry a man at all, they must have been fun, they must have been loved, they must have been, you know, all the butterflies, blah, 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 blah. Then she gets married and she wakes up, behold, it was Leah. And she ups and catches another wave of fun and thinks this one will be better and boom. 
Leah again five times. Okay, I I believe she had she had great expectations for our marriages in the past. Like right. you said, you said if we put too much of our weight on our spouse, it we, we will crush them. So basically, she keeps on looking for that expectation in every marriage, and it kept failing her. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. You were in church on Sunday or Saturday, which which one you came for? you came for? No human being can fill our cup. If we put the weight of our deepest desires on any human being, we're going to crush them. So she must, have, she must have tried to fill her cup from one man to another man to another man, only to discover the emptiness. But God seeing her and Jesus being merciful introduced her to the living waters that can really quench our thirst. Fantastic. As I'm just totally, 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 totally fired up about that because God doesn't leave us the way we are. God comes to us and, and, and brings the solution that is Christ, the living waters to quench our thirst. So that is the answer to that. Question number four. In verse 10, can you please help put up verse 10? It says, Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift of God, God's gift for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I will give you living waters. In a good way, Jesus was being like the typical Lagos driver that was just hit by another car. He comes out of his car and says, do you know who I am? <laughs> Have you seen that happen before? Every time. Do you know who I am? Excuse me, who are you? (laughs) But the question is this. Jesus was sweaty, tired, thirsty, and he still knew who he was and what he had to offer. Have you doubted yourself because of your condition? Have you gone through life and life has taken a beat at you and, and you begin to question, am I really up to this? Have you had people not discerning you like Jesus because you are in need? You need water. You are talking about giving me eternal life. Water that doesn't, you, you don't even have a bucket. But that didn't deter Jesus. Jesus knew who he was in spite of his limitations and his needs. Have you yourself misjudged people based on their needs? Who wants to share? Any of those three questions, or three of them if you are able to. Is that hand up? No. Okay, there's a a hand up there. Um, I would like to relate this to my boss I'm working with. Um, when I started working with him, um, I see him as the demanding type because I actually do credit control. And all he calls me to say is, Bumi, go and get this money, go and get this money, you know. And that's all he tells me. Even at the meeting, he will tell me, have you, have you gotten this, have you gotten that? You know, it got to a time I got so depressed and I spoke to um, the person I, re- I report to. And he just said, Bumi, just calm down and 
you know, get to learn from him. Uh, for me coming down to listen to him and see how he pushed me, you know, to the work, I've actually, you know, got to know that he's trying to train me more on how to go about life. You know, it got to a time I had to have a meeting with him one-on-one. I told him, sir, see, eh, the way you are pushing me like this, I, I'm going to resign from this job. I said, no, this is what you have to do and that. And, you know, before I used to misquote him, you know, for that, but really it has really grown me, you know, and even at the attitude at which I approach people that are debtors. Yeah. Okay, so you misread him or he misread you? I misread him. You misread him. Yeah. Okay, cool. <clears throat> Anybody else? So, but many times, we allow, you want to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. You want to talk to your landlord about Jesus. And somebody says to you, you've not paid your rent, too. You better, before you open your mouth, your big mouth, and they throw you out of here. Not Jesus. Jesus was, Jesus was still, because he knew, he says, if you knew the gift of God and the person talking to you, I may not have water. But something more than gold, something more than gold, the Spirit of God in the heart of man, something more than gold. Jesus was tired, he was weary, he was dirty, I dare say, because it was a very dusty environment and he has walked for hours. Imagine the scale of dust on his skin, he was sweaty, it was a hot day, dust plus sweat. That means it was smelly in a way. I know we don't like looking at Jesus like that. And he was thirsty. And he was weary. He wasn't just tired. He was weary. And he was not deterred. He knew who he was. We need to draw strength from that. As life throws us a lot of curved balls, challenges, we need to rest in who God has called us to be and who God has made us to be. Okay, question number five. Titus 3, 3 to 7. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of our righteous, the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, I believe that every Christian should read this scripture every day. The gift of God to us is beautiful. So the question is, despite our five husband past and our present immoral state, Jesus extended living waters, changing our future forever. What does that tell you about Jesus? 
What does that tell us about Jesus? No brainer. Anybody? What does that tell us about Jesus? Okay. The hand here, the hand there. So give her the mic. Give her the mic. Let's hear. Praise the Lord. It tells us that Jesus doesn't write off anybody, no Amen. matter what your past has been. Amen. Jesus doesn't write off anybody, no matter what your past has been. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ is a merciful God. Oh. He came, he died for us. Despite all our evil deeds, oh. he still looked down on us and have mercy on us. Amen. You know, the scripture says that if you look at, she was still in sin. She was still in, the man you are living with is not your husband. And she's not living with the man as a house girl. She was in sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to be good. I mean, many times we want people to be good before we we do what we need to do. But God didn't wait for us to be good. He died for us while we were, while we were in sin. Beautiful. Okay. Question number six. Jesus <laughs> did not only stop to speak with a Samaritan woman alone. That's a big deal. You know, back in the day, the Jews, from that scripture, it's obvious, they don't even talk to the Samaritans. I'm going to explain why. For the Jew to talk to a woman that is not your wife, is a big deal, in, publicly. It's going against social norms. Then number three, for you to be alone with the woman. I mean, you saw the woman... It, what would have happened is that when the woman came to be the well, what Jesus should have done is what? So Jesus was in a compromised situation. Not like that, but going by the social standard. Not only did he speak with a Samaritan woman alone, he stayed in a Samaritan village for two days. That is huge. He spoke to a Samaritan woman alone. Now, he said, give me drink, water to drink from your vessel. That, that was a big deal because the woman had her own vessel which she drinks water from. And Jesus says, I want to put my mouth. Back in the day, it was huge. Where you have put your mouth. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm going to, I want to be reduced to your level. In other words, you only share meals with people you... Um, it shows... Comradality, whatever. But you know what I'm saying. The point is this. Jesus wanted to drink. 
from the same cup from this woman that had five husbands and probably coming from said to the man, let me quickly get water. We are thirsty so that we can continue. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being very graphic, but we don't know. That means I'm what, is, what happened. And Jesus said, give me Jesus, you can do better than that. <laughs> Sometimes I think to myself. Now, there's a graphic I, I, I want us to see to, so, so I can explain this and we can, you know, really see how huge this is. Now, why the graphic is coming on? Now, the Samaritans, who are the Samaritans? Now, back in the day, about a thousand years before this time, the, after Solomon was king, Israel was divided. So you had the northern kingdom, which had ten tribes. Then you had the southern kingdom, which had two tribes. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom. And one of the things they did was that they polluted the people. They gave them babes, if you will, girls to just be sleeping with, knowing that it will offend their God. And Israel embraced it. Now, the offspring of the union of the Jews and the Assyrians are the people that are called Samaritans. So, the, the Jews that are in the exile and the, the Jews that are left in the southern kingdoms, when they came back together, considered these Samaritans as impure, an impure race. In fact, a disgusting race. They don't want to have anything to do with them. Now, if a Jew that was pure was now associating with a Samaritan woman, what is he looking for? It was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Now, here was Jesus with a Samaritan. If you look at this picture, this map, you will see Samaria is in the middle of Judea and Galilee. Now, it was so bad that the Samaritans, because they consider themselves Jews. Imagine, if, you, if your father was American and your mother is Nigerian, would, would you consider yourself American? You should, and you are. But the Jews says you are not. And so they were second-class citizens, as it, as it were. Now, they built up their own temple because they would not be allowed into Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea is where Jerusalem is. They would not be allowed into the temple in Jerusalem. So they, they put up their own temple in Mount Gerizim and they, and they, and they, and they said that, look, we serve our own God there. That was what Jesus was saying, that you don't even know the God you are serving. Now, this is how it works. You have Jews, pure Jews, living in Galilee. I love that man of Galilee. We had pure Jews living in Judea. Jerusalem. Then you have the Samaritans living there in the middle. Now, when they were going to worship, the Jews in Galilee will practically run through Samaria. They will run, they walk briskly through Samaria to Jerusalem. After worship, 
they will cross River Jordan. They won't go through Samaria, but even though it's the shortest distance, they will cross River Jordan, go through the Capolis, Gadara, cross Jordan back into Galilee. And that is what they were doing consistently. So if Jesus were in Galilee and he was coming to Judea, you can understand why Jesus would pass through Samaria. But Jesus was in Judea going to Galilee. Where should he have taken? He should have gone through Jordan, crossed Jordan, gone to the east, to the north, then crossed back. Where did Jesus take? Samaria. Now, what does that tell us? There are things that happen to us that you think was, a cha- was by chance. Jesus went to that well to meet the woman. You are not in this service by chance. You have come for, for you, it was just a hot day. You just came home. It's service of, I've walked out, there'll be traffic. Let me just come to, to church. No. You are here by chance. Now, the woman didn't know that. He woke up an ordinary day. Just like last week. Last week at Tribe <laughs> was intense. I was saying to folks that I had no plan of making that call I made. It was not even in my notes. Like today, your life is going to change drastically. It's looking like an ordinary day, but it is not. They've decided to take away the month. <laughs> so, that city called Sychar, the, the real, it was changed to Sychar, because the real mean, name of that city was Shechem. Now, it was changed to Sychar because it was notorious for drunkards and riotous living. That's, that's the root word, Sychar. So, Jesus did not even go, just go through Samaria. He could have gone through cleaner cities. He went through the most notorious city. And he decided to stay there for two days. Then people become Christians and they begin to discriminate at other people that are even also Christians. So the, so the question is this. There's no, the issue is there's no discrimination in Christ. How do we embrace this in our time? We, I've had people that say to me, oh, I'm a Christian. But I cannot marry an, an acquired girl. Because they said me do something. I mean, I'm telling you, I've heard, people have told me that. My son can never marry a Yoruba girl. Never. It's Christians. Something is wrong with that. Immediately, something is wrong with that. We have people that say, 
you know, in the eastern part of, of the country, there, there's this group of people called Osu. I'm sure you guys have known this story. I mean, I, I don't know. So. They are still Christians today. They are saved, washed in the blood, tongue-talking, that will tell you that even though the Osu girl is saved, washed in the blood, their son cannot over their dead body marry an Osu person. I know the Igbos, the gospel writers are different. So I'm going to make this call. Which I have not planned to make. I'm from the eastern part of the country. Wave wave to me, wave to me, wave to me. Let me see your hands up. Quickly, come on. Keep the hands up, keep the hands up. If my child wants to marry an Osu person. I can give them my blessing. Put down your hands. Now, you are, you are deceiving yourself. Says, Pastor, why are you putting us on the spot? Put us on the spot to show you something is wrong with your heart. And something is wrong. You see, let me tell you something. It may look innocent. It can take you to hell. Because what you are saying to Jesus is that your blood is not enough. It may sound simplistic. What you have said to him is your blood is not strong enough. The blood I died, I I went to the cross for... Pastor, you don't understand. Do you know the story of these also people? They are cursed. Let me tell you the story of the Samaritans. It was God himself, Jehovah, the maker of the heavens and earth, that said they should not intermarry. So, the curse was supposed to be from Jehovah himself. By from the, on the race. Praise the Lord. And Jesus came and slept there with them two days. You can clap alone. <laughs> now, what's my point? It's simple. We all have our prejudices. We all have our prejudices that our parents have popped into us when we're growing up. I used, I, I've told you my mind before. Growing up, I grew up reading newspaper as, as soon as I could read. My father was giving me newspaper to read. And it was the biased newspaper. <laughs> you know? Biased newspaper. Telling me the story of how Igbo people did this, how Igbo people did that. Telling me the story of Adekunle Fajui, how he stood and the Igbo people were ungrateful. I mean, I just fill you with hate. When I came to Christ, I needed to decide what will rule my heart. Whether the love of Christ or the bias of my father. I chose the love of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. And I have Igbo daughters and Igbo sons. <laughs> and Kwaibom daughters and Kwaibom sons. I have them all. Because I love them all. The point is this. If 
you can look at another human being and say, this person is not good enough for me. You are casting aspersions at their maker. You are casting aspersions at their God. And that's something you don't want to do. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Pastor, are you saying that your shoes are welcome in God's favorite house? Yes. Are you trying to say that if an Osu guy wants to marry your daughter, you will agree? I will first check. Is he saved? Is he, is he bored, washed in the blood? Of course I will. No issues. I think I need to pause so that this thing can sink down. You know, I, I, someone said in his heart, even right now, Pastor, huh? life is not like that. I'm telling you. I can, I can, put, out, I can put out the person. But you see, you need to decide what will it be Will it be God or will it be me? You know the story I've shared about the Igbo Christian marrying a Yoruba Christian. Remember that story? <laughs> okay. No? There was this wedding between an Igbo guy and a Yoruba guy and a Yoruba girl. And to get the families together was war because. This family says this family is this. This family says this family are this. I mean, and all that. So finally, God made it happen. The pastor got up to preach, and the pastor said, the first thing the pastor said was, a Yoruba Christian must not marry an Igbo Christian. And murmuring started in the congregation. You see, I told you. I told you. You know, pastor is speaking correct. Blah, 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 blah. And the couple were, they froze because they were like, hey, what's pastor saying? You know? And the pastor said that if you're a Yoruba Christian, you are not a Christian. If you're an Igbo Christian, you are not a Christian. One blood, one baptism, one father overall, one family. One. They have everybody even in, in, you have Yoruba churches, you have Bible churches. Have you noticed? You have black churches, you have white churches. Segregation. Jesus shows us that there is no segregation in him. If you are in Christ, you need to flush out every form of tribalism and segregation. In Christ, there is no segregation. We are all one. We are, that's all. We are of the Father. We are joined hands with the Son. We are children of the kingdom. We are family. We are one. Probably we'll sing that song <laughs> later on. If we have time. <clears throat> Number seven. Read John 4, 28. Why do you think she left behind a water jar? And what might the whole water jar represent in her life? 
Why do you think she left behind her water jar? So John 4, 28 says she left behind her water jar and she ran. Why do you think she, re- she left behind her water jar? And what might, what is the sim- what is this symbolic of? Yes, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why I think the woman left our water jar, the old water jar, the old water jar represents our old life. Because in second, the Bible said in Second Corinthians five seventeen that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Amen. Jesus Christ told him, he told her that if she allow her, if she allow him to give out the water, that she will never taste it again. So Amen. to me, the old, old water jar represents represent an old life. Amen. Amen. That's, that's spot on. Any, any other view on that? It represented an old life, what she, what she was all about before, and she left it and followed um, and, and went about Jesus' business. Number eight, what old water jar might you need to leave behind before you can share the good news to others? Anybody who wants to be vulnerable, what old water jar or uh, did you have to leave behind for you to be able to share the gospel? Or if, if you need to leave, if there's a current one in your life, what old water jar might you need to leave behind? Anybody? Before you can share the gospel. Anybody wanting to be vulnerable today? Some of you, you know that. Okay. Thank you. Please keep your hands up so that they can um, locate you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It could represent a lot of things. It could represent friends. It could represent characters. Your own, your own. What is it? (laughs) Tell us. Praise God. Hallelujah. In fact, there was a period, you know, I belonged to an association. Okay. And along the line, God himself revealed to me that I had to let go. Right. In fact, I was separated. Right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because to move forward, there are some baggages. Let me use your word when we we're talking about. There are some baggages that you need to set aside. Okay. So that you can press forward to get to that level, that calling, that anointing that God is taking you to. Amen. So in my own case, it was friends. It was friends. Okay. Cool. Anybody else? Okay, so we take that, then we take the next question. Lord. Hallelujah. I had to let go of my phobia for nannies. Phobia for? Nannies. For nannies. Mates, yeah, because when I was a child, a nanny gave me this scar in my face. Wow. So for many years, I never wanted them around me. So I learned to do things myself. Right. I didn't want them around as I grew up and as I started working with God, God opened my eyes to see that thing. That was, you know, I needed to let it go. Right. You know, to be able to relate, to be able to reach right. those people. Praise right. the Lord. Hallelujah. Even Jesus had to let his water pot of, of discrimination go so that they can reach the Samaritans. Okay, we take that. Praise the Lord. 
I have to let my dad go. Your dad? Yeah. Your dad? He's a liar. You have to let him go. He's a Muslim. Why? Why? He's a Muslim. Oh, he's a Muslim. Okay. Why? He doesn't want to accept you as a Christian? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, we have to separate it. You have to let separate. I pray that God will give you a spiritual father. (laughs) I will take care of you. Um, so just like, you know, if your, if your dad says that maybe God has led you to an Osu girl, a very beautiful, saved Osu girl, then your dad that is saved or unsaved says you can't marry her, you just leave the water pot and you will go and marry her, right? <laughs> okay, that's what you should do. <clears throat> Question number nine. List the reasons whether righteous or selfish. You think the Samaritan woman hurried back to the town to tell everybody she'd met the Messiah. Why do you think she, she ran back so quickly? Is it selfish? Could it be a selfish reason? Could it be a righteous reason? Why do you think she ran back? Okay, yeah. Praise God. I, I think both. Um, I think she has fought with acceptance all her, her life. Right. So having different husbands, using them to fill up that, but it's not working. But this one was different, so it was good for her. But why I felt is both. So the righteous part was um, going to tell them that, you know, Come and meet this man. So she was actually pulling them. She didn't go to say, hey, I'm filled now, you know. Okay, cool. Any other reason in in, in front? Yeah. Uh, To me, I think to ascertain what she thinks. Because she thought she met the Messiah. And she wants people to come and listen to him too. Maybe to let them know if she's right or wrong. To clarify what she thinks. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, there's a hand there. And the hand there. So we did take those two and then we'll move on. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I think that she ran off to let them know because she felt that people had been avoiding her. People, nobody wanted to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So here's someone that nobody wants to talk to. And all of a sudden, a Jew is actually talking to and talking about her and, and their. They are discussing about things together, and it was the Messiah, someone everybody had been expecting. Oh. So it's almost like, okay, everybody had been waiting for him, but guess who found him? Right. Guess who found him? I have the one. <laughs> I told you I have, I have things with men. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, um, happening on the um, positive side of the reason. Um, verse 13 says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I believe that the reason why she went out um, is evidence, is an evidence of the eternal life of Christ already welling up in her. Okay. True. Okay, thank you. All those answers relevant. Next question. 
10, if you have shared your faith with people who know you well, Harry Pastor and all, what were your reasons for doing so? Did you have any struggle? Please share. Maybe you've had a colorful past. You got saved. Have you had to go and share your faith with someone that has, had known you? Some of us, that will help some of us that are hiding our faith from people that used to know us to be one way. We don't even want them to know that we are saved because we are ashamed of who we were. But instead of being ashamed from who we were, we can learn from this woman that let Jesus be glorified through you. So anybody that wants to share that testimony of their lives or somebody you know, not you. I've had a colorful past and I've had to share their faith. Um, okay. Oh, their hands there. Sorry, I didn't see. So that's one hand, two hands, and um, three hands. Quickly, tell us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, is a, is a friend. When we were growing up, we were living close. She was our neighbor. She's the kind of person that she's always keeping malice, you know, at least slight and provocation. So by the time we finished our primary school and we all departed to various secondary schools, I happened to be in a boarding house. She, she was still in a day. By the time we graduated, she relocated to her, her town, her hometown. Then one day I received a letter from her telling me that she repent and all those things. And I was like, look at the girl that used to keep my listening to me and telling me to repent. It was, you know, somehow to me. Right. You felt she, she was not qualified of all people. But of course, you know better now. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I used to have, um, okay, I had this friend in school, you know. She knows me very, 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 very well. Very, 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 very well. Okay. Very well. She really knows me, you know. So, and um, of course, we got involved in some things that uh, are not, uh, uh, one is not proud of. And then we got to separate because I, I chose the right part. And then um, she offended me too, so... After a message, we had to uh, forgiveness. Right. So we had to forgive and had to like get to contact with her again. Right. And then I, I started with asking her to forgive me, you know. And then in the process, she said she, I, I told her I've forgiven you. Of course, she told me she has forgiven me too. And then I had to start preaching, you know. And it was hard. <laughs> It was really hard. I think that was one of the hardest things. Right. But I was able to pass the message. And then she kept asking, you mean you don't do this anymore? Mm. I said, I don't. Say, hmm, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I don't. Mm. You know, like, I don't do that anymore. I said, so you shouldn't do that anymore, too. Because I sense you still do all that. She said, yes, she does. But she's going to try. So I check um, from time to time to make sure that she's on track and... God is helping me. Amen. 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 Why well, that is good, I just want to ensure that you, you, she's not trying by her strength not to do bad things. That she, she's actually connected to the source of living waters that can well up in her. That is awesome. I mean, I, I had a similar story, but 
I'll spare you mine. <laughs> yes, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, brethren, believe me, my past has been a very bitter one because of I was just trying to like obey. The Bible says we should obey our parents so that our days will be longer. Oh. So I had this bad experience in the north. I had this girl I was about to get married to. It's a Yoruba girl. It's a very big chorister in Christ's embassy. Pastor Chris Oyakilme know her. They call her daughter of the house. So we were for three good years. And out of a sudden, my mother called from Cameroon when I was in the theater trying to assist in an operation and told me that it's either you've stopped this, your marriage decision of a thing, or I will die and put a curse because I'm the first son out of eight. Now, I was like confused. This girl did not annoy me in any part. Life was just so beautiful. As we were together, I bought two cars. Then now, everything I bought in my house, we did it together. But with my money, we can go together to buy something. We'll debate on the thing. They can give us a magazine. We'll select. Yes. But at the end, now she has to leave my house without taking anything. As she left, <laughs> only God. I never knew if it was God punishing me or she was the one doing that. Because everything went down. All the cars and everything. And the last thing I was to wish my life upon was just my job. And at the end, the job went. I lost my job too. I lost the job. If any civil servant, there are civil servants here. You know the loss of civil service. You can't just lose a job as a civil servant that have been serving the government for about nine years just because of the fact that you came late to work. I lost interest in the job. At times, I, I go when I like. There are patients waiting for me. I would not have time for them. I'm just like confused, frustrated. So I was like, God, what do I do to, 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 to be myself again? When I lost the job, the frustration increased. I left Sukutu State. I went to Abuja. I was in Abuja for about three months, trying to apply again. Nothing is moving. I left Abuja. I went to Nasarawa State, Lafia, as a capital. That was when I knew that God is still with me because I was like doing some odd jobs around, trying to survive. I go with that building, I was seized, I'll pretend as if I'm, I'm one of them, you know. And the one guy, one of my friends, a Muslim, he said, Guy, let's just take a walk and share a drink or something. That's where I knew that God was still with me because I thought maybe God has abandoned me completely. Yeah, so, and the drinking spot with like dragging on a chair with a girl. They sit, we, we sat their face and went inside to get drinks for ourselves. Okay, On coming so back. I'm, I'm trying to make sense out yeah. of what you're saying. Um, but I think I, you know, I gave it a lot of time so that. Good, good, good. It's all I'm right. Not, Thank you very much. To cut uh, a long story short. Yes, sir. You know, when I was like, as I move around, move around, nothing is moving, nothing is moving. And I found myself back in Lagos. I went to Cameroon first. I was in the house. I came back to Lagos State now. Yeah, in Lagos State, 
What gave me the courage to come to the house of God again? Because I was like annoyed with God. Have you ever seen where a man would be annoyed with God? I was like <laughs> angry with God. As if we were quarreling or something. I said, I will not serve him again. Yes. So one day, this very girl, after we've not talked for about, not called me for a long time, she just called me and told me that, really, look, really, I serve, the God I serve, keep on telling me that if you come close to him, he's going to restore you again. That's why I came back to God. Okay, awesome. Okay, thank you. I pray that God will restore you and um, lead you in the path of life in the name of Jesus. I, I knew he had a lot to say, but, you know, just allowed him to say it. Sometimes that is all that is required. Okay, <clears throat> next question is... The Samaritan woman turned a mess into a message. Come, see a man. On and on. Why did she not simply say, stay put and let me tell you. Why did she say, come and see a man? Why did she point people to Jesus? Why did she say, I have a story to tell you? I think that's a no-brainer. But who wants to go? Who wants to tell us? Why? Okay. Praise the Lord. Aliyah. Okay, I think in um in simple uh in with common sense, I think why she said um people should come and witness the Christ, the Messiah for themselves is, um, for instance, today when we, we, when we try to tell people about Jesus, especially when you're talking to um, uh, atheists and uh, strict unbelievers or even Muslims, they, they tend to make mockery of what you're telling them. So um, she knew this was an opportunity for her to actually um, do her own little you know, evangelism at that point in time. So the best way to do it was she had met the Messiah. Jesus revealed himself to her, and she knew this was the only opportunity to also get others, her loved ones, people she didn't even know and wanted them to know the truth, to actually witness, you know, the Messiah for themselves and key into what he has, you know, the salvation he's bringing. Okay. And that's all. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, bottom line is that um, even when we share our stories, any story that is not pointing to Jesus is tales by moonlight. <laughs> any, any sermon that doesn't lead to pointing to Jesus is just bedtime stories. It is only Christ that can save. Only Jesus can save. Our strength is not in our oratory, it's not in our stories, but in Christ. Okay. Verse 39 to 42 tells us about the people saying, um, we now believe Jesus for ourselves. What was the outcome of their response to our invitation to come and see Jesus? And the response is, I'm going to answer that, is that we've, the first time we believe, we believe because you told us. Now 
we have seen him ourselves and we believe for ourselves. So, you know, so it wouldn't be like the sons of Sceva, the Jesus that Paul preaches. In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Or in the name of Jesus that the woman with five husbands told us. It would now be in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Personal relationship with him. Question number 13. A changed life gets people's attention every time. Every time. Question. How has or might your life draw people's attention to Christ? How has your life drawn people to people's attention to Christ? Or how might your life draw people's attention to Christ? Quickly, who wants to go? Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I remember some time ago um, in my house, because um, in the morning, I always sing and I worship God. Even sometimes, my sisters will tell me, like, you're making noise, shut up, and all of that. I still, like, try but um, a, a friend of my brother was around. So there was this morning that he was coughing. So I felt in my spirit that I should pray for him, but I was scared. I was like, what if I go and he doesn't get healed? Because oh. I heard I was vomiting blood at that time. So oh. I went to church. I came back, and he came to the room. He was like, Auntie, I want to see you. I want to serve this God you are serving. That you always go to church, you always sing. I, I feel somehow I want to give my life to Christ. So I, I was Amen. excited. You know, I, I prayed with him that evening, and I told him to come for the service. It was a God who did it again service, actually. Wow. So he came, and he was among the people that gave their life to Christ. Amen. Amen. Change life. You can't argue with results. You can't argue with change lives. So, so, someone says, he says, oh, he's a sinner. He's a, he's a, he says, I don't know if he's a sinner. But one thing I know, whereas I was blind, <laughs> but now I can see. Oh, he's a small boy. In fact, he's a rebellious boy. He doesn't listen to his parents. He's a, da, 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 da. I don't know about those theology. But one thing I know, whereas I was blind, <laughs> but now I can, I can see. Our lives, we should, we should leverage the testimony of our changed lives, apart from people that are not saved, can anybody here say, truly, there's no change in my life since I gave my life to Jesus? There's been no change. Anybody, let me see your hands up. Please, don't be shy. Okay. I made the call again again after. <laughs> if there's such a person, then you need to come in contact with Jesus. If you come in contact with Jesus, there will be a change. And it is that change that we have to advertise for people to see so that their lives will change also. Last question in the study. What is the most important lesson you have learned from the life-changing story of this unnamed thirsty woman at the well? What is the most important lesson you have learned from this story? Who wants to go? Okay. One, two, three. Four. 
Okay. We'll see. Yeah. What? Praise God. Hallelujah. There is no discrimination in Christ. Amen. I usually get upset, you know, especially with the Christendom. Right. Because there are some set of people in the Christendom that feels they are much, much holier mm. than the others. Mm. Just your mere appearance mm. puts them off. Right. It used to really upset me because I wonder, I will look at their life, I look at my life. I said my life is more amplified with the kind of testimony, <laughs> you know, that, so that kind of makes me, you know, kind of like they don't know where they're going mm. or, but with today's message, I mean, I should pray for that. Absolutely. So you don't fall into the same trap. Do you understand? You don't fall into the same trap. The same thing that we're discriminating against you. If you're not careful, you'll begin to discriminate against them. And, you know, the cycle of hate just continues. So you have to break it. You have to break the cycle. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, the most important lesson I've learned from this life-changing story is that I connect to this woman a lot. Mm. Um, most people know that when I give a testimony in this church, I always start with, I'm a single mother of... So I know what it is about. I know um, how people see, um, how people discriminate against someone, but Jesus keeps telling you that I do not judge you. Amen. Forget them. Amen. So it's a case of, let's not discriminate. It's sincerely, even if someone is homosexual... Let us preach. Let us talk to them about God. Let us not feel, what were you thinking? You know, looking at another man or looking at another woman. If you see someone that is a single mother, married twice, third, three times, let us think about it. How many people marry five times? That's why Jesus has used the example of a five-time exactly. married woman. <laughs> to let you know that if a person has married three times, not as bad as that woman. So what I've learned is, no matter how bad someone's situation is, God does not judge us. Amen. We still have a chance. Amen. <laughs> You're welcome in God's very house. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> most important lesson I have learned from this life-changing story of this woman is that she did not go into dragging with Jesus. She did not start asking many questions. Oh. Even when Jesus told her that, I'll give you the water, which is everlasting. Right. She accepted. Mm. By accepting that, that makes her to change. Mm. And as she have accepted it, Christ was also happy. Because most of our people like much argument and dragging. Right. So I give God the glory. Amen. For what she did. Amen. She just accepted Christ and accepted his offer, you know. I mean, honestly, what you said is so true, but when I read it, my mind, I'm like, put yourself in that situation. Where is this everlasting water you're talking about? I mean, come on. Are you trying to do razzmatazz for me here, you know? But she, she just embraced Christ, and that made all the difference. Thank you. Number... <laughs> I didn't count you. Number four. Let's hear this first. Then we'll know if you can. Praise yeah. God. Hallelujah. I, I think the first person talked about discrimination. So, um, what I learned from this whole story is that um, there's no discrimination in Christ. 
you know, um, sometimes we just forget, you know, and we're not conscious of it that we actually discriminate. Mm. Maybe um, this person is not doing things the way you do things. Mm. This kind of Christian, why is she praying like this? Mm. Why does she dance so much? Mm. Why this, why that, mm. you know? So in Christ, there's no discrimination. He loves us just the way we are. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's have that. Then we'll have, it's fine. It's okay. No discrimination. <laughs> yes. Another lesson I learned is um, Jesus, God judges the heart and not the outward appearance. Right. This woman is a great lover. Huh. She, uh, she, like many people said, Going into marriage from time, time to time means she, she's looking for love. Oh. She's thirsty for love. Right. And maybe she's a lover and maybe it's not, working for, it's not been working for her. And another thing also, she is very religious. She knows about the story of the Messiah. Right. That she knows that the Messiah will come, that they worship God at the mount, the uh, Jews worship God in Jerusalem and all that. So, Jesus knew her heart, that this is a heart yearning for true love. Right. And um, because of that, Jesus actually went through that road because of her right. and also the other people in that city. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So, it shows that, like the word of God says, I think Isaiah 42, that a, a bruised reed will not break. A smoking flask he will not put out. A, the David knew that about God. He says, a broken and a contrite spirit you will not despise. God cannot ignore. Heaven cannot ignore someone that is hungry. It's like, that's God's, God has a weakness. That's God's weakness. He cannot ignore. You can clap alone. <laughs> he cannot ignore someone that is hungry. Someone that is thirsty. Someone that is desperate for him. Heaven can't ignore such a person. Jesus will go through Saika to find such a person. Thank you. Yeah. Praise God. Um, I have two thoughts I want to share based on um, some of our discussions and a question. No discrimination. (laughs) Shoot. Okay, so um, the first thought is this. It's based on um, something you said about um, do you know some churches are like Igbo churches, Yoruba churches? Right. Okay, so my thought is um, because a lot of times our culture finds expression in our mode of worship. Right. You know, it's easy if a pastor is like an Igbo pastor. Right. It's easy if, and then all the choir members are like Igbo. You know, most of the songs right. naturally will flow right. in the Igbo direction. Right. So, so, you know, people from other tribes might not really relate. Right. So, therefore, you have an Igbo church, church yeah. or Yoruba church, right. as the case may be. That's a thought. Then, secondly, um, about the Osu thing, you know, right. Osu babe, I'm thinking, I'm not being discriminatory, but, you know, foundation matters. Fine, the person, the, the, for instance, the Osu, Yoruba guy wants to marry an Osu girl, she's born again, you know, and everything, but... Then again, you know, the foundation matters. And I just feel like if you are marrying the Osu girl, just be ready to fight some battles. 
Uh-huh. You know, so, so the same thing if you're marrying an outside girl. Yeah, I mean, there are battles everywhere, yeah. but there are battles and there are battles. Yeah. I don't. I, I just. I mean, some if you're marrying an Osu girl, you know they've been dedicated to whatever. I don't even know what Osu is about, but it's, it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Know, that's so, that's fine. I, I I get you. I will respond to the two thoughts. Now, a friend of mine in in the U.S. Um, is a pastor. He wrote a book or. Sunday, the most segregated day of the week. Um, um, and he, he asked me to contribute to one of the chapters. And I contributed. You can, you can read the book. And my contribution is, is, my thoughts were something like this. That they think segregation is just about white man, black man. I said to, in the book that we are as segregated as they are, even though we are all, we have the same kind of skin, we are all blacks. You know? Why? Because you have a quiet bomb church, you have an Igbo church, and, that, and the reason is, could be what you have said. The pastor is Igbo, the pastor is Yoruba, the pastor is Aousa. Before you know it, all the choir members are Aousa. Then, all it's only outside songs that is being sung. For there are two things, my recommendations in the book, that the pastor must ensure. It doesn't matter whether the if the pastor is Yoruba and the old choir is Igbo, it's irrelevant. The relevant thing is that the choir must, the pastor must ensure that the song sang cuts across all cultures. And that's what we have in this church. That is a leadership call of the pastor. That's number one. Number two, the pastor must ensure that the lingua of the church cuts across all cultures. You can't come to the office, for instance, and hear anybody speaking Yoruba. It's not going to happen. If you do, you interpret do you understand? And you will not come to church and we are expecting things that are just culturally domicile in Yoruba culture. We, we will not expect everybody to do it. For instance, I don't expect anybody to, to kneel down and greet me. People will shake their fathers. Yoruba people consider that as insultive. So if you want to shake me, you shake me. I don't care. Praise the Lord. But I know places that if you shake the pastor, ah, you don't have home training. But, but that has nothing to do with home training. It's just a cultural, it's just a cultural thing. So we have to be deliberate about it. If you, if you, and also the second thing I recommended was the leadership composition of the church. If you, let me go from left to right. Count the leaders of God's baby house and ask them where they are from. Where are you from? Aqua Ebon. Where are you from? Come on. Edo, you walk Ishan. That's his Linda now. Where you be from? Okoro. Ibo. <laughs> Then we've counted one, two, three, four. We've not met any Yoruba person. 
Lamide, Yoruba, of course. Stop hiding. <laughs> Victoria, Ibo. It, it's, it is, it, it's, it's nothing. But in other places that is polarized, it will be <laughs> across board. Then what do you expect? If, even in the choir, let's begin to say where you are from. Oh yeah, where are you from? River State. You want to Delta. So if that's two, you want to Kogi State. Ogu State. You want to Aquaimon State. And you? Lagos. And you? Delta. And you? Imo. It's 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 neither here nor there. And and it is a Ghanaian. You see? <laughs> we are so diversified. <laughs> and and let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. It it's a deliberate thing from ground up. When we were starting as a church, it was deliberate from ground up. If you are not deliberate about certain things, you will go with the norm. We were deliberate that we, we, this will not be a political church. You don't need to play politics in God's baby house. And we are deliberate about it. We are deliberate it will not be a, a tribalized church. We will, we will enjoy... And, Thank you. We will enjoy songs from all the tribes. Somebody has said, I've heard somebody say that your pastor is Igbo. Why? Because the person visited at a season when I was always singing Igbo songs. Says every time, every time. <laughs> look at himself. He's Okoro. He look at how he looks. You know, I look Igbo. Meanwhile, they were speaking Yoruba. <laughs> it's, it is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Okay. Um, the second thought is this. I think it's, it's, it is presumptuous to think that some tribes are carrying more baggage than yours. I think it's presumptuous to think that what, another, what is troubling another family line is bigger than your own family line. I think it's very presumptuous. The key thing is, is this the person God is leading me to? Then the battle is your battle. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Commitment. Have you had a great time today? <laughs> Commitment. So I want you to write with your own hands. It's going to come up on the screen. Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. Write it there with your own hands. Today I commit 
to make my light shine. I will tell people about what Jesus has done in my life. I commit to make my life shine. I will tell people about what Jesus has done in my life. Today, we've heard the word, we've committed to it, and let us pass it on. Let us pass it on. I want us to close by let's let us hold hands. You can sit down and hold hands, but if you want to stand up, it's fine. I just want us to sing this song and we close. We are here of the Father. We are joined here with the Son. segregation, the grace to worship you in spirit and in truth give unto us. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Father, we pray for everyone and anyone in this place, perhaps, that has not yet come in contact with these rivers of living waters. We ask that you lead them to the rivers of living waters. As, as they've come in here today, Lord, we ask that you change their lives totally and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh,
Tazi. 